When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I'm one of your hosts for this one, Bob Mackey, still waiting for Simpsons Hit and Run 2, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert and I would just like to announce I signed an overall deal with NBC Universal for one dollar. Wow, that's it? <laughs> you should have held out for more. <laughs> Well, I get a free subscription to Peacock as well, oh, so okay. that just pays for itself. It was worth it then. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, welcome to many of you who are going to be new listeners to this podcast series of ours, because mm-hmm. for the first time, it has burst out of the paywall and escaped. <laughs> it jumped over the wall, and now it's in the free feed, because the last week of every month in the Talking Simpsons slot, we'll now be doing our community podcast, which is where we talk about news in the Simpsons world and in our world, and then we respond to your questions and comments from the last month's worth of episodes. Mm-hmm. Both on Talking Simpsons and the sister show what a cartoon so you get to hear us uh, pick our favorite comments and chat all about them and yeah this is you know our changed up schedule not only did we begin our revisiting of season one but also we are you know sharing with you guys our community podcast once a month also just to ease up our schedules ever so slightly in these uh, very busy times and it has helped a lot Mm -hmm. i will say uh, this has been a much better month for both of us i think (laughs) even with a live show and even with me having a restaurant's weekend i still feel like uh I have room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think we, and it's made us more productive and get, you know, cooler. Man, we have some cool guests lined up and some cool stuff planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of it thanks to us, you know, freeing up our schedules just a little bit. But uh, man, February and March, big stuff a- coming guest wise. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my God. So let's get into the news. We've got quite a few news items today, starting with uh, take off this podcast with a happy, fun <laughs> story that will offend no one. Uh, it's all about Apu, our favorite character on the show. Yes, yeah, it's Apu Watch. We haven't had an Apu update, but I felt uh, it, mostly our community co- podcasts, uh, the news section, are talking about Disney, Disney Plus streaming. Or, or Apu, yeah. pretty much. But uh, uh, but I guess I'm bringing this up because many people shared it with us on Twitter, just like hey you guys see this and i think both of our reactions were just like well he's just restating a thing that has been true for two years now at least not to sound too entitled but i think some of these news places should reach out to us for comment because the second this headline went live it angered me because (laughs) i remember when mike reese was doing his round of interviews for his book really good book by the way he was on chapo trap house they asked about a poo and on that podcast he was like oh you know we retired a poo like two years ago and no one has even commented on it up who is not a thing for us anymore so that was an official statement by someone who works one day a week on the show <laughs> and has been on the show for 30 years i trust mike reese's statement on that that no one bothered to quote mm-hmm. that no one bothered to look up and it was in my brain yeah no i and i mean there's been like five other quotes just on this ever since they've they've commented on it so many times and these just spread around because it is easy clickbait. I, I hate using as a former, you know, <laughs> member of the press online. Uh, clickbait is a dangerous term that I feel like dismisses good content of just like this headline makes you want to read it. But in this case, every time someone asks for a new quote from Azaria or another Simpsons producer about like, hey, what do you have to say about a poo? And they just repeat a previous statement. 
it becomes a whole new round of news of like, did you hear Apu's banned from The Simpsons? Censored Apu on The Simpsons. Yeah, it's good, uh, you know, a good way to stoke the culture wars, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like technically it is Hank Azaria saying... I will not play a poo anymore. But that's like me saying, I won't order pizza at McDonald's anymore. There's no pizza at McDonald's. I can't order pizza there. So he can't play a poo anymore because a poo is no longer existing in the world. I guess it brings up the idea, should an East Asian actor play a poo? And my answer is that character has too much baggage. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody new can run the Quickie Mart. Yeah. Or maybe even that's an issue. Who knows? But I think just stay away from the Quickie Mart. Mm-hmm. We've had like 25 years of Quickie Mart jokes. We can move on. I mean, uh, we have so much Apu material. It's fine. Yeah. This new specific source of the news was that Hank Azaria was doing a TCA panel. That's Television Critics Association, where basically a bunch of television networks bring around all their producers and actors to be interviewed by the television critics who then ask them a slew of questions uh the final season of his you know live action show brockmeyer brockmeyer yes not i almost said huff i was like no, no that was a while that's ago. like 15 years ago <laughs> but yeah so he's promoting the final season of brockmeyer and of course you know somebody asked him an apu question and azaria said All we know there is that I won't be doing the voice anymore unless there's some way to transition it or something. That's the quote, which is just, again, pretty known quote. I'd say it's just it's been repeated, but I guess it is a new quote. Yeah, I suppose. I'll give him that. Yeah. But so now, you know, the right wing culture warriors have a new quote to spur them to make another two million viewed video about how people censor comedy and how you can't be funny anymore. I'm sure, uh, you know, famous Simpsons watchers Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin both had to weigh in on this. I didn't check Mm -hmm. because their Twitter feeds are poison for your brain. Yeah. But uh, but yes. So let's uh, let's get that out of the way. The Apu chat. Uh, Happier news about a voice on The Simpsons, though. Yeah. So Kevin Smith is doing doing his I Didn't Die victory lap <laughs> yes. throughout entertainment, which he should be doing, honestly. Mm-hmm. We love Kevin Smith. Not a big fan of his movies anymore, but I'm just happy he's still around. But he's going to be playing himself on The Simpsons, and he was cast by Carolyn Omine. Yes, yeah, Carolyn Omine, who... By the way, she's a, a strong Birdie supporter on Twitter, so thumbs up to you, Simpsons executive producer Carolyn Omine, or co-executive, I forget her exact title, but she's moved up in the in the ranks. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Kevin Smith almost died uh, over two almost two years ago, a year and a half ago now, from a heart attack, lost a ton of weight, uh, and is just kind of cashing every check he had of just like, well, you know, Ben Affleck, you should be in my movie again. I did almost die. Yeah. Like, he didn't actually do that, but I'm just saying. It, <laughs> I mean, I would. It created a ton of goodwill. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in general, when you have um, a scare like that, it does make people realize like, oh, they're not going to be around forever. We should just have this guy on. And honestly, just in general, Kevin Smith as a, you know, living character who talks about geek things like he should have been on simpsons by now it's strange yeah it's strange that he wasn't on back in the kevin smith uh heyday like the Mm -hmm. late 90s when he was you know uh dogma jane silent bob strike back and comic books and just a bigger pop culture figure than he is now but i'm glad he's finally making it and i went to his instagram post it's the longest instagram post (laughs) i've ever read i mean he used to be famous for like his tweets i'd be like one of 86 and then you just read them all and his really long blog posts and all of his message board stuff but yeah uh go check out his instagram post it's very nice a picture Mm. of him in front of the recording mic i mean it's the recording mic (laughs) (laughs) i mean look if i was recorded for a voice on the simpsons i'd never shut up about it oh yeah we didn't shut up about it sitting in on a rehearsal so we can't talk and you know we've had some upcoming guests even tell us to our face we should be voices on the simpsons so uh oh also i guess the kevin smith thing it reminds me too that uh i it it has been announced that his he was going to be the co-executive producer with david willis on a Howard the Duck cartoon show for Hulu, that has been canceled. It officially got canceled. Canceled so, before the show aired. Scripts were written, but it was coming to the point of like, okay, let's start animating these. And I think uh, there was a big turnover in what Marvel Television is now. And I don't think uh, Kevin Feige wanted Adult Swim style shows so, to represent the brand. Nothing was animated. Is what you're saying? Seemingly not. Okay. Seemingly not. What I, a huge waste of everyone's time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. You still get paid for a script whether it airs or not, but this this happened, you know, like four or five years ago this happened where Donald Glover was going to show run a Deadpool animated series for FX, oh, right. like an R-rated one. 
And then eventually Marvel put the kibosh on. They're like, yeah, you know, eventually Marvel gets cold feet and they just kill this kind of stuff. And so the only one that's still happening that has like an actual cast and is going to be animated is Modoc, which basically sounds like an Adult Swim style uh, midlife crisis type show, but starring Modoc, played by Pat Oswald, which is perfect casting. That does sound fun. He yeah. has a giant head with legs <laughs> and arms. Uh, but yeah, hey, congrats to Kevin Smith. I look forward to hearing him on The Simpsons. I think, you know, I've been thinking about this too. I think Kevin Smith has become the new Stan Lee. Like he's, if there's anybody who is the Stan Lee of like, he's famous for being himself and appearing in things and being like, well, let's ask Kevin Smith what he thinks about new comic book thing or new nerdy thing or Star Wars thing. That's what Kevin Smith is. And he has a new costume, too. He's no longer hockey jersey guy. He is giant purple blazer guy. Yes, like, you're right. He lost, I don't know, 200 plus pounds, but he kept the same blazer size. So he's <laughs> like, uh, stop making sense, Kevin Smith is walking uh, around. I, I love him in his cavernous blazers. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, he's got, uh, he's he has uh, given himself more hair as well, I've noticed. So like, Oh, really? Uh, well, Kevin Smith always had this like big... He was the, bald. When I saw him like 20 years ago at a con, I'm like, whoa, he has a really big bald patch you never see when he wears a hat. But uh, hey, look, I'm not ju- I'm not judging. Buy yourself some more hair. Yeah, yeah. Smith. All right, anyway. That's a glow up. I call that a glow up. <laughs> so I guess uh, Disney put together a little clip reel of all these Simpsons episodes that had uh, Star Wars references in them, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, Marvel, Marvel. Well, no, they did three. They oh, did. geez. This is okay. I only saw yeah. the Star Wars one. Uh, Disney Plus was uh, Disney Plus this last month because they lost the, the Mandalorian's over. They are advertising hard with like promoted tweets and uh, and other social media ones. And one of their smartest ones was to make three different clip reels of every time D- Simpsons referenced Marvel, Disney, or Star Wars. But those were three separate videos. And the Marvel one was the most interesting to me because they really ramped up their Marvel specifics in the last decade. Like there were several mm. in there. I'm like. Oh, I've never seen that joke. Like they did a post credits joke on the on Simpsons that I totally did not know about. I, I'm sure they had Stanley cramming the Hulk into a convertible, like a toy convertible. Mm, you know what? They didn't they show didn't that, that clip because that I think it's because it involves Batman. They don't oh. want to reference that. They they did show Stanley, but not that, that w- one. That was putting him into the Batmobile, wasn't it? Yes, okay, yeah. I which that so. was pretty cool. I like yeah. that scene. I mean, and they had uh, there were a lot of specifics in there. I mean, they also didn't have the like. I don't believe they had the clip of someone put amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. This will not stand. Maybe that was too obscure for them. (laughs) Uh, And then same within the Disney one. They did the only clip I saw in it from the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode was the 1205 parade gag. Definitely not Nazi Superman will be oh, our superiors. I didn't expect Conspicuously missing <laughs> from the Simpsons land at Universal Studios, which they basically play that episode in its entirety while you're in line. Yeah, yeah, which is... With all the clips added up. Well, and Universal can be a little nastier because they know they're playing clips about Disney yeah. World and Universal. Uh, yeah, and in the Star Wars one, the most um, noticeable clip that was missing was uh, where they... In that Days of Wine and Doses, where they made fun of George Lucas as like he's a short guy who just steals oh, ideas. Oh, yeah. That was a weird joke because like George Lucas isn't short, though. No, it and it was like six years after Phantom Menace and they did a Phantom Menace parody. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of a funny parody, but it came like super late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I did, I did like that it ended with... Yoda in the Senate going like, begin they have, or have they? And then he nods his head. That that wasn't a bad joke. But yeah, Disney Plus going all out with uh, the Simpsons clippage. But you know what? If you're going to try to go viral, get them in the fucking aspect ratio, guys. They yeah. still haven't done it. No, the video was formatted for phones, so it was oh, the I other kind of worse. cropping. So yeah, yeah it was, it was uh, vertical cropping, not horizontal cropping. Uh, yeah. Not I, good. People don't understand aspect ratios, though. It's, it's a tale as Teach old as it in time. the schools, I say. <laughs> uh, we have another uh, sad story here. We could have had a Simpsons hit and run, too. But unfortunately, EA got the Simpsons rights, and it never came to be. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, Simpsons hit and run was the only good GTA-like before Saints Row, basically. Mm, uh, before Saints that. Row got good, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Simpsons, you know, after they, they did Road Rage, which just ripped off Crazy Taxi. But it, not that it was bad, but it was good. 
The Road Rage and Simpsons Hit and Run, they were the first one games that felt like they were made by people who obsessed about the show and knew every reference to cram in there. And even the The Simpsons game, like it did its best with that, but it it felt still more corporate sheen on it than Hit and Run did. Yeah, it's a very aggressively mediocre game, The Simpsons game. And mm. uh, I did. I don't like mediocre games that joke about how mediocre they are. Just like, well, yeah, you're not <laughs> being very good or entertaining. But yeah. the, uh, the the fun part of that game was there was animated sequences between levels, like mm. real Simpsons ep- like episode quality animation yeah. between levels. I remember so much. It uh, really sums up the game for me was, A, you're doing the modern warfare. Sorry, the medal of honor section of it in a you know raging hellfish type sequence but it's abe saying yes it's an escort mission i'm like so you joke about the escort mission and then you still give it to me like yes. that 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 is my least favorite it's bit. like jokey tutorials like no you're still a tutorial like don't be so cute and and there's a level in the ea games factory which is just like well that's funny but this is from the ea games factory yeah, it was very self-referential but uh yeah I recommend if you want to learn more about the first game, the podcast Watch Out for Fireballs recently did a whole episode about it. And, oh, about uh, Hit and Run? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's not quite as good as you remember, but it's still very, very faithful to mm. Simpsons lore, and you could tell it was made by super fans. So, yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah, so I guess just the Hit and Run 2, one of the developers did a, uh, inter- a recent interview where he revealed that there was a gameplay prototype for Hit and Run 2 that they were pitching to Fox. But uh, then EA got the Simpsons right, outbid them, as EA is known to do. And so in the run-up to the Simpsons movie, they started working on the Simpsons game. They couldn't make Hit and Run 2, which uh, is too bad. I mean, there's even, like, there are open-world bits of the Simpsons game, too. But it's, like, it's it's just the game tried to have everything. It's a real nondescript open world. It's not good. When I was playing it, I don't know, over 10 years ago, I'm like, this is it? Like, this is what (laughs) you're getting? Okay, fine. It's a weird weird year of playing the Simpsons game and watching the Simpsons movie in the same year. And now Mm. that's uh, 13 years old. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might be talking about the Simpsons movie somewhere soon. Mm, hint, hint. Perhaps. Uh, yes, yeah. I'll leave this in. <laughs> uh, so we have some good, good news for Seth MacFarlane. The rich get richer mm, yes. over here, over there in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, yes. Seth MacFarlane, in a shocking turn of events, signed a new production deal with NBC Universal, leaving Fox, which has been his home for over 20 years as a television producer. Now, he's still going to do Family Guy, American Dad, and Orville, which I wonder, like, how much time do you have to produce a TV show, uh, new TV shows, when you are the star of a show like The Orville? Mm. A live-action show. I think the episode orders on that one are pretty small, though. Yeah, I mean, just set aside a month, and he's like, film everything. Or maybe in the next season, it's like, his character gets killed in the first episode, (laughs) or he only says one line per episode. Uh, But yeah, so Seth MacFarlane signed a gigantic deal, $200 million with NBC Universal. Uh, and the rumor in the Hollywood Reporter story was that, or their reporting is, Seth MacFarlane chose NBC ultimately because he was going to get to work on a lot more varied projects, while it sounded like Fox just wanted him to, or Disney, this would be a deal with Disney. The distinction between Fox and Disney will be important in the, in the next news story here, oh, but geez. he would have made a deal with Disney. But I think they wanted him to stick to what he had been doing. Well, meanwhile, NBC Universal apparently is offering him more varied stuff of like, do you want to make a weird thing for Peacock or sci-fi? More acting. <laughs> yeah. He's singing. It'll just be all songs. He's like, every <laughs> idea he brings to NBC Universal is like, uh, this one I sing for an hour long and it's uh, every night. More Rat Pack covers. <laughs> but please, no more Seth MacFarlane starring movies. We've learned our lesson. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this also does throw into question the future of family guy american dad and orville now american dad just got renewed for three more years on tbs it will actually get to a 300th episode that's great to hear because there's like 12 years of american dad i haven't seen that i can just boot up on hulu <laughs> uh and uh, and orville has been renewed but family guy is a little in question about like now that seth MacFarlane has made this deal are is uh, Fox and Disney going to pay a lot extra for a guy who's not loyal or who's who isn't going to focus on? Not that he's like run fan. I don't think he's really been the showrunner of Family Guy since season like two, two five or three. when they came yeah. back. Yeah, 
Uh, but the other side of this coin with Seth MacFarlane leaving is at the previously mentioned Television Critics Association. The boss of Fox actually has been talking about what their future is on Fox television broadcasting in a post-Simpsons, post-Family Guy universe. They sure are making a lot of animated shows these days. I feel yeah. like we're in 1999 or something. <laughs> it's uh, really weird. But yeah. I, I got to the bottom of this, I think. So uh, for... Folks out there are just like, oh, yeah, why does Fox keep announcing so many new animated series? The situation is that uh, Disney bought all of these Fox Entertainment properties. They even do own Bob's Burgers. But Fox Television, which is a separate company and was not purchased by Disney, they still want to run a TV channel. And they also want to produce shows that they own for that TV channel that are not owned by Disney, like Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, and Simpsons. So in August, I admit this, Fox Television bought Bento Box, the animation studio that makes Bob's Burgers and many other mm, shows. Okay. So they are using that as their new production studio for their huge ramp up in animation as they are trying to find the replacement for Family Guy, Simpsons, and uh, Bob's Burgers. I say bring back King of the Hill. You mistreated it. <laughs> Uh, you did give it 13 seasons, to be fair, but uh, fucking mad about You Can Come Back? Yeah. King of the Hill should be back on the air. Well, if, Mike Judge is done with Silicon <laughs> Valley now. What else is Mike Judge doing? Uh, Tales I, from the Tour Bus, I think. That's it. I mean, if uh, if Mad About You returns on a channel no one watches, uh, did it make a sound? I, I don't what, know. Uh, where is that? I heard Paul Reiser on uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, but like this this is a thing. Where can I see this? It's on a cable network that's not around here. Okay. It's, uh, it's, really? Well, I, like a cable company like basically if comcast paid to bring it back to only play it on comcast channels which are that's our local cable station cable provider which i hate but we must use um that it's another one of those brought back mad about you wow so weird <laughs> and did you know that lauren bouchard has another animated series yeah. that looks just like bob's burgers it's all musical and it's only on apple tv oh i didn't know that yes no, that's, that's the only place to watch wow. it because every three weeks twitter will just be nothing but apple tv ads <laughs> just just like please watch snoopy in space or the morning show <laughs> or whatever the lauren bouchard the lauren bouchard is doing bob's burgers and his other thing for apple at the same time so weird and he actually has another show i just learned about uh as part of so uh michael thorne at the tcas when talking about the animation expansion they're just like we're prepared for a future without the simpsons the simpsons is expensive family guy's expensive it, like the only committal thing he would say is like bob's burgers has a long future on fox tv so i think this is the way that fox tv is like getting people ready for the idea of they're not going to renew the Simpsons or family guy after their current renewal process and the shows they have coming in the replacements. They they've got a lot of big names to work on it all being produced through bento box, the Duncanville show we've talked about before by yeah, Mike uh, Skelly and Julie Thacker with, with Amy Poehler. And then there's the great North, which I had not heard about before. It's, um, a single dad show uh, where he's like, uh, uh, well, he's played by Nick Offerman, so you know the character this dad is. Are we just reassembling the cast of Parks and Rec <laughs> to make animated shows now? But you spread them out, like yeah. Nick Offerman on one show, Amy Poehler on another show. Where's Rashida Jones? <laughs> uh, she's also on Duncanville. I thought yeah. so. Well, yeah, you're right. Wow. <laughs> uh, but The Great North, that is also produced by Lauren Bouchard. But the other showrunners are the Molyneux sisters who wrote some of the best Bob's Burgers episodes. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. And they uh, renewed. Oh, and also Minty, sorry. And Minty, I forget her last name, sorry. Minty, who worked Minty on. Minty Fresh. <laughs> she worked on Regular Show and okay. was also a voice actress on it. She's great. And they renewed Bless the Hearts for season two, which, uh, you know, bless their hearts. Yeah, bless, oh, bless them. I, I don't yeah. know if it's bad, but uh, it seems like a way broader King of the Hill. And uh, I really dislike how it looks it looks like one of those cliptoon facebook thingies yeah, you'd see like four yeah. or five years ago i mean i know they only they have so much to hard. work with everybody works hard on it there's great people who work on it but it, sure. it looks like something on my facebook wall mm -hmm. now my that be there. Uh, my husband darren has uh his pejorative for it the way i use rugrats as a pejorative sometimes his pejorative for that type of animation is progressive ad like that's oh you're he, right it's like that is some progressive ad shit right there like i I, again, I'm saying this about a show I don't watch. Uh, but there, and there's one more. So there's a 
fourth animated series they're they're bringing up too after duncanville great north and bless their hearts i had not heard of until today which was it got announced in december house broken hmm. which is a show about uh hollywood dogs basically well, hank is back baby <laughs> uh but i believe it's like the secret life of the pets of famous people i think it is or it uh, stars uh Je- lisa kudrow love her and uh, also Jennifer Crinton is uh, an executive producer on it. So oh, cool! Yeah, so they're yeah. hiring the right people. But I think really, I I hope they're hiring up a lot of great people. At Bento Box because this is a lot of work for one production studio to do, especially when like I love the look of Bob's Burgers, but most. The animation can be lacking at times. I, I like the look of Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. It's one of the better looking shows of that type. Yeah, but it's also one I can just listen to and enjoy yeah, that yeah. way while I play uh, something else. It but, is a fun podcast and a show. Yeah. So, but but I guess the ultimate Simpsons news of that bit is just like Michael Thorne, the president of Fox Television. He is preparing you for the day they're going to say we're not renewing the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a dark day for baseball. <laughs> or sorry, TV. Well, and speaking of sports, I have one last uh, crush stupid thing to mention in the news like i found a uh as you may know bob the super bowl is this weekend i was gonna say <laughs> when is the stupid bowl i went there uh the, sorry sports ball i'm, I'm sorry I, I apologize uh no the super bowl is this weekend ahead of us if you're listening to this on patreon or it's two days in the past if you're listening on the free feed but either way it's the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, in an attempt at going viral with, did Simpsons predict it? I found a uh, ABC, local ABC reporter in Kansas City from Kansas uh, from KCTV5 tried to say that the Sunday Cruddy Sunday episode predicts that the 49ers will defeat the K- Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. See, his uh, reasoning was that I was going to play a clip from it, but he takes a real long time to get to the point of it. But basically, Sunday Credit Sunday takes place in Miami, which is apparently also where the Super Bowl is this year, I think. I, I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong. But he says that the there's a red team versus a blue team. They red the red team looks like the 49ers, the blue team looks like the Chiefs, and the red team won. Seems so, like a bit of a cheat to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think so too. The guy's trying to go viral with the Simpsons predicted it. It's but, like a uh, it's like the magic eye test of uh, sorry, magic <laughs> eye picture of Simpsons predicted it. It's like I can kind of see that. Though if I, I squint, I will give a thumbs up to the reporter in it that he did correctly bring up that. In the early 90s, the Simpsons did predict the Super Bowl rightly three times in a row. That's correct, yes. They really did, like, just straight up saying... Lisa says this team will win, and they did win. They should just rerun that episode every year and change the teams. I mean, it's a good episode to begin yeah. with. Well, now it doesn't look like regular Simpsons, and it's probably uh, they'd have to cut like an extra two minutes from it for mm, commercials now. I bet you. Yeah, but uh, I guess we shall see this weekend if uh, Cruddy Sunday predicted it accurately that the 49ers will defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be in Disneyland then, so I won't be. I'll be uh, hanging out with Nina here, probably going someplace <laughs> that'll be evacuated thanks to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> that's the perfect time to go out and buy groceries, I swear. If you're not into football, go uh, to a place that's normally crowded. <laughs> You'll have lots of fun. Yeah, Except I'm, bars. Don't I'm, go to bars. I'm hoping at Disneyland it will be that case as well, and I'll be able to just like walk on to Rise of Resistance. That's <laughs> a perfect time to go. Actually, someone told me Super Bowl Sunday is the perfect time to go to Disneyland. Oh, awesome, man. All right, cross cross your fingers everybody for uh my i guess again if you're listening to this on the free feed i already did it but uh, <laughs> but wish me well in the past i'll be seeing mystery science theater live the day before mm, wow that's, old Joel. that is uh definitely a protest against <laughs> the super bowl by going to that <laughs> so we have some news about us and uh the live show was on the patreon last week it's on the free feed this week so you all have probably heard it so much fun well, i think it's our best live show yet uh, mm. our biggest crowd our uh we got the main stage a piano fight in san francisco jordan morris was great i couldn't be happier with how that turned out mm-hmm. and i think like with every live show i get less and less nervous about <laughs> it if you don't count the five minutes before we go on yes yeah that was a lot of pacing and uh, it was jordan morris uh especially he did something that really helped me in the 
pre-show jitters was he committed to a lot of nothing small talk with me just to get my mind off of the countdown of the last yeah. five minutes. He was a great guest yeah. and uh, who gladly offered to be a guest without us having to look. So uh, that helped guy. us out so much and he was perfect for the topic. Yeah, I can't wait to check out his Disney Plus show he promoted in that one. It's it's a, I, man, just great guy. Yeah, and, uh, and thanks to everybody who came out for it and, you know, got the posters, the great posters that Nina made, like just so much fun. And also, I think everybody really enjoyed your video, Bob, that uh, even if they weren't there in person, they got to enjoy it on uh, the Patreon. Yeah, in case you haven't seen it, it's on Patreon. It's a free post, but we ended the show with a death reel featuring all the characters who didn't quite make it. And I know people are like, well, Bleeding Gums live till season six. And I say, you know what? That's not funny. <laughs> yes, that's not funny. I wanted to be funnier. <laughs> it's funnier to do that. Yeah, he eventually died. <laughs> uh, and I know Marvin Monroe actually didn't die because yes. he came back as a surprise in season 15. Yes. But, but yes, please check it out on Patreon. But yes, I can't wait to do another live show. Maybe we'll do PAX again this year. Who knows? That was really fun and an easier trip for us. Yeah, we had a lot of fun at PAX West. That was that was a really good time uh, with uh, with another really cool guest on that too. We have so many great, uh, such great luck with, with live shows. Guests. Yes, including guests who came here to Berkeley in person last mm-hmm. week. We, I mean, we can talk about who they are, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll we, be in an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think next week's episode, but you guys can know about it now. We, uh, as part of SF Sketchfest, uh, we had our, our buddies Found Footage Fest. They came to town to, uh, we had Nick Pruer on before, and then his, uh, we had Nick on before, and his co-host on Found Footage Fest, Joe, he was able to uh, come on the show as well. So next week, you will be hearing those guys talk about No Disgrace Like Home. And they they were so nice. They they came here three uh, they came here about six hours before their flight to toronto and recorded for over two hours right yes yeah and and also they they sell they came in with like they have props for their live show that they brought in with them (laughs) one of them is an industrial penis pump it is yes (laughs) (laughs) you gotta see the live show to figure out what it is oh boy what uh i mean i i didn't want to say hats off to them they did an amazing live show I uh, sometimes still have nightmares about it, honestly. I think, Henry, you're more cut out for the non-After Dark version of their yes, show. They're a VCR yes. Party Live, which is just fun things and, <laughs> and ALF puppets. Uh, that's a nice, wholesome show. But uh, if you've got a stronger stomach and you're ready to uh, see some of their uh, adult sh- stuff, uh, yeah. which is not in any way sexual, it's no, horrifying. No. no, it's great. And uh, they tour so much, and you should definitely see them. They're great guests, too. They'll be back. And they were so friendly and so kind and very uh, very much praising us in our work. So I really yeah. appreciate that. They do good work, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those guys. Ch- check them out. And you're going to hear them on next week's episode, though. We did, uh, for their time constraints, when we did the whole biography on the writers and directors, we did that without them just of like, we don't want to make you guys sit around for 20, 30 minutes while we talk about directors of the episode. And it's going to be a fairly long episode because we did a writer's corner for Algie and Mike Reese, mm-hmm. which I think was maybe like 20 to 30 minutes long. <laughs> And then and then 10 minutes on the director, Greg Vanzo, yeah, as well. So, so it'll be a beefier season one episode. But I'm loving this season one revisit. I'm getting so much more out of it. We can play yes. more clips. We can just dig down deeper because we are doing this for a job, for yeah. a living. So we have more time to spend on it. We I bet that one is five times longer than the first time we did see that episode and yeah i think you're right i hope you guys are enjoying it too you know it's just been a lot of fun to just go into the history and really talk about the production of season one and to celebrate season one as a legitimate season of good television to watch instead of just going like "Eh, season one sucks skip it it's not funny who cares like it's that you it's it is them figuring out the simpsons but it's funny as they figure it out yeah and i'm I'm learning new things on this watch through. I didn't think I would. Uh, It's actually, I thought it'd be like, oh, uh, we're not doing this because it's easier. We're doing this because, you know, it's a fun thing to do and appropriate. But going into this, I thought, oh, this will be a lighter load for me. It's like, no, actually, I think I'm I'm working more on these just because (laughs) I'm like, no, I have to get this right. And this is like very important historically this first Mm -hmm. season. So I want to dig as deep as I can. So yeah, we're spending lots of time on these. They're coming out very well. I'm very happy with what we're doing. Yeah. And I hope all you guys are enjoying it too. And, uh, And in general, I guess like, 
I, I hope you guys are enjoying, you know, the new schedule for uh, Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon as well. You know, I think we're it, it made us be able to focus more on these things and do all this extra research for season one, like it uh, or to prepare for some bigger stuff down the road we're going to do. So I I, uh, I hope everybody's enjoying the new schedule. Let us know in the comments how, yes. how you're feeling about it. We're already working farther ahead than we did in the last two months of 2019. So yeah. we're, we're really doing a good job here. Which uh, is, is good too because you know we got a we got a limited series coming up again soon or a mini series I guess we should say it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be here before you know should it should be landing in March or perhaps early April we got to figure it out but it will be here in the spring and uh, and also I guess let's if you guys uh, have enjoyed this new what a cartoon movie that just came out uh, next month should be pretty fun too yes it's going to be eighties Disney correct yes yeah so uh, the poll will be up at the start on February 1st and uh, you'll pick from one of four 80s animated Disney classics to help us pick what the next what a cartoon movie would be your votes shall decide it that's right and the choices will be in chronological order I believe we have the Black Cauldron uh, the Great Mouse Detective Oliver and Company and the Little Mermaid I have an idea of which one will probably win (laughs) but you guys always surprise me so who knows maybe we'll do Oliver and Company a movie I saw once when I was five me too yes I don't think I've seen in full since I watched it in the theater as a five-year-old but you know Billy Joel's songs are eternal and I, I still have a oh, what should I worry it'll be fun to look at Disney during a darker time <laughs> just as yeah. things were picking up towards the end of the decade now I have the proper cultural context to appreciate Bette Midler and Cheech Marin sharing a scene together mm, that movie really was about an uptown girl <laughs> yeah but uh, I mean you know I think uh, I don't think we'll be talking about Oliver and Company but prove me wrong children prove <laughs> me wrong how about those mice that's where I'm leaning <laughs> oh, but man, I, I love Basil. I love Basil. Sorry. Yes. No, I got. I haven't seen that movie ever. I really want to see oh, it. Really? Yes, yeah. I've only seen the reference in Darkwing Duck. So uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the What a Cartoon schedule for February, right? Mm, let's, yes. So the first episode of February on the Patreon, it'll be live on February 3rd. Free feed, February 10th. We have Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Mm-hmm. The episode is On Your Mark, Get Set, Duel. The first episode. Yes, with a very special guest, right, Henry? Oh, yes, yeah. Well, we haven't recorded it yet, but we've. Uh, if you like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and when uh, perhaps stories of Yu-Gi-Oh! are shortened, <laughs> I think you might like our guest this week. And because Henry is producing this one, I'm going to challenge him to get the special spelling and uh you know the case of all of this right because <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is all intercapped there are hyphens between it there's an exclamation point at the end five capital D apostrophe S yeah. so it's very co- overly complicated one would say which also is I think wrong punctuation because it's supposed to be multiple D's the five mm. D's can mean dimensions or dragons but it means five d's as in letters like but some people i was watching some videos like they call it five ds but i've you know watched classic commercials from it from both japan and america it's five d's so yeah please retain the apostrophe even though it's wrong <laughs> it's uh it's card games on motorbikes <laughs> as, sounds as crazy the meme goes. <laughs> so up next uh patreon date february 10th free feed date february 17th we have goof troops episode nightmare on goof street this is a patreon request and yes we are going to the disney afternoon we have not covered goof troop yet a fine show disney mm-hmm. sort of making their own uh, lighter simpsons in mm-hmm. the early 90s yeah i mean we cover the crap out of the goofy movie sorry a goofy movie we cover the crap out of a goofy movie and uh, that was on a what a cartoon movie but now it's time to go into the thing that uh, really began the goof naissance of the 90s goof troop and uh, yeah that was a, a fun patron request and it's named goof troop because it was once about goofy being a like scout leader like oh. a like a boy scout uh you know what's the boy, like adult scout that, master scout, ma- scout master yeah so retain that title you'll learn more trivia like that oh on the episode I, I did not i did not know that <laughs> oh very good it's a perfect time for that impression uh so up next in february a very short month as you all know february 17th is uh, the Patreon date. February 24th is the free feed date. We have the Netflix series 
Matilda with the episode The Bird Parade. Mm-hmm. So this is also a patron request, correct? Yes, it's yeah. one of our uh, top-level patrons. They picked this one out, though I've been looking forward to doing it, too. Just as an excuse to watch the show, Hilda is uh, seems like a very nice uh, kid show based on a book series. Yeah, a graphic novel book. Uh, not as good as Sparks. Mm-hmm. I say if you got a kid, buy Sparks <laughs> first and then buy Hilda. Yeah, once you've bought Sparks for every child you know, then <laughs> buy Hilda for your child. But uh, yeah, and also it's interesting that it's like I, I looked into a little bit. The creator of the series also is showrunner on the show too, or at least is involved in the show. And he had uh, worked previously on Adventure Time. He storyboarded several episodes of Adventure Time. So I, I'm curious to to look into it. It looks it looks like a very cute and sweet show. It does. Uh, very British as well. Very twee. Yeah. And uh, and we'll have on that patron to talk about why they wanted us to do that one as well. So just got to cram in all the Hilda by the. Uh, I, I plan to watch all of it before we record it for sure. Yeah. And the last week of February, of course, will be the extended preview of our What a Cartoon movie. Whatever wins that month, we'll just have a 45 ish minute preview of that episode that you can hear the full thing of if you're on the $10 tier mm-hmm. to hear a What a Cartoon movies episode every month. Yes, so please, please look forward to it, as uh, Japanese game developers would say. <laughs> and let's move on to our questions and comments for episodes. And up first, we have Talking Simpsons comments. And the first episode we're covering is Bart the Genius. By the way, these are normally longer, but we did our talk to the audience uh, late last month, and we're doing it early this month. So next month will be the normal rotation mm-hmm. of questions. So Bart the Genius is first. Joe Quigley says, Teacher perspective time. Just a quick correction that the school is more like a magnet school than a charter school. I found this episode really interesting because Miss Milan's classroom isn't actually that different from mine. I tell the kids my job is to facilitate their learning. I let them choose what books they read. And even the debate isn't really out of the realm of possibility for an average classroom if you provided them with some accessible text to grasp the content. In short, despite how exaggerated things are, the classroom isn't as wacky as I feel like the writers intended. Well, I'm sure in 89 it seemed pretty wacky that kids would have personal computers and beanbag chairs and could just learn in their own time. Yeah, these are the people who grew up in the 60s, uh, very regimented, strict schooling, you know, uh, very standardized. So I'm sure they were trying to make fun of the new progressive schooling. (laughs) Though though I'm sure Matt Groening would have, at least then, would have agreed like, oh, I wish my schooling was this instead of what I did have. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think they, they... they show that it's an improvement for Bart, but also maybe Bart has too much freedom. Or or it shows that you're miserable no matter where you are in Bart's case. <laughs> uh, Bart should really be monitored with those chemicals is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but I, I do appreciate that uh, Quigley uh, helped us have a little teacher perspective. He's done that in the past in our comments. Uh, also on Bart the Genius, Stephen Nettle says, First, I actually have seen Carmen in Russian at an in small experimental theater in Moscow in 1995. It was very bare-bones production and, well, pretty crappy even for post-Soviet experimental theater. To add to the surrealism of the show, the actor playing Don Jose was the split was a spitting image of Carmine Ragusa from Laverne and Shirley. Take your word for it. (laughs) Secondly, Tiny Toons oddly shared several storylines with the first two seasons of The Simpsons. An offensively accented convenience store clerk, a reaction to The Raven by a famous actor with a distinctive voice, Vincent Price, in the case of Tiny Toons. And finally, a trouble-making main character switching test papers with a genius, plucky switching test papers with Egghead, who I think only appeared that one time that's right yes they did that same plot and i just remembered the convenience store clerk was in the episode where plucky stole the candy bar it was like their anti-shoplifting episode it just was hard to watch because poor plucky yeah i mean plucky was usually the one to learn a lesson and i mentioned yeah i think this comes from uh you know actually I, i bring it up on bart the general there's an episode where Hampton has to deal with a bully as well, being bullied by Montana Matt. That's right, yeah. In a, in a very similar way. It seems like these are all very much stock, like, kid school stories, yeah. almost. I mean, and it makes more sense for Tiny Toons to deal with them than Simpsons, really. But, uh, yeah, that Raven one, I forgot the Raven one. That, uh, what is it? It's a camel who's the convenience store clerk, isn't it? Oh, or? I think it's a human. A human? They didn't oh, okay. go that far. All right. I, I must be thinking of <laughs> You made it else. worse, Henry. Hey, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, but that Egghead character, he did not have the longevity of Martin Prince. Uh, that's fine. So we're moving on to Homer's Odyssey, and Stephen Nettle is back. Mm. And he says, for those growing up in the 70s and 80s, nuclear power was always something that made us nervous. One of my earliest memories about the TV news were the various reports about Three Mile Island in 1979, which was about 30 miles away. Flash forward to the late 80s, we had moved, and nearby was another nuclear plant with a reputation for safety problems. When I was 14 or so, we went on one of those tours, and they showed us a propaganda short pretty similar to Smiling Joe Fission. <laughs> Afterwards, I asked the tour guide who was boasting about how clean nuclear power was some pointed question about how clean it would really be if there was a serious accident. He tried to reassure us that an accident was very, very unlikely. When I tried to say it could still happen, and if it did, the environmental damage would be pretty bad, he stopped calling on me and moved the tour along. <laughs> he should have removed uh, you from that yeah. uh, tour, Stephen. He should have said, like, free, th- uh, free thinker alert, the free thought alarm. We got a peacenik. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm wondering if that the Simpsons inadvertently with making jokes about Homer working on a nuclear power plant it defanged our generation's fear of nuclear power. Like I, the, I, you know, I was alive when some of the bad ones happened in the eighties, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Like, and then the only thing I think of with nuclear power for the longest time was like Homer doing stuff like even more than Chernobyl oh, or whatever. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it on Homer's odyssey, but that was the joke up front But the joke was, you know, nuclear power scary, huh? Mm. Well, this guy works at the nuclear <laughs> power plant. Can you believe it? Well, Stupid yeah. dad, that's his finger on the switch? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, uh, and I mean, you know, there was a flare-up of nuclear power fears. I feel like the last time was, well, obviously there was the Chernobyl miniseries, which, you know, re- ignited people's memories of that or reminding people like boy i was fucked up that happened right uh but i think the last time in the real world was like the fukushima situation after oh, the, uh, the yeah. earthquake in japan in 2011 i mean personally as a kid and teenager i was brainwashed by sim city like no not coal power nuclear power <laughs> not roads <laughs> yeah. trains so you will right warped my brain <laughs> yeah well i you know i've just been playing a lot of civ uh, the phone game version of Civ because uh, it it relaxes me for some reason the civilization civilization games but it does teach me the wrong lesson of like well what I need is money all the time money <laughs> will buy me more things like it it makes you really into a capitalist you lose a lot if you become a communist can you game. give the app money to get Civ money in return uh, yeah I think so okay. <laughs> Uh, and so also on Homer's Odyssey, our animation pal Thad Komarowski has some interesting insights. I've got to say, you went pretty easy on how bad this episode looks. Way worse than anything in the rejected first version of Some Enchanted Evening, which had bad stuff, but was mostly just down to miscommunication. That scene of Marge and the kids with no lip sync, the final shot of the crowd pan... This is just raw incompetence. <laughs> Maybe the other episodes were so much of a shitbed that the glaring flaws of this lame but canonically important episode had to be passed over. Poor Wes Archer. You know what? I agree with that. He was right to scold us. This is, is the yeah. worst looking episode. And because... Uh, ever, uh, ever of Simpsons. Secretly, yeah. the cover for every talk to the audience is a character addressing an audience or, you know, talking to an audience. And of course, Homer's Odyssey has one of the perfect talk to the audience <laughs> screenshots. Actually, several of them because third act is just him talking to a crowd of mutants. Yeah. So, man, yeah. Nothing gets worse in The Simpsons than that crowd scene in Homer's Odyssey. They were not ready for a crowd. <laughs> they, they really weren't. And it was like... Wes Archer's first show directing to, I think, in that one of the ones that didn't even bring up is like, just in the show, Sherry or Terry's head is floating as they walk. Like, they, yeah. they that's just a mistake still in the show. They forgot the cell. Yeah. That's probably cropped out by Disney Plus. You know, after just re watching the Simpsons pilot footage that we did at the live show, I, the only difference I can see about why some Enchanted Evening got rejected and this didn't as harshly is is difference of people like Wes Archer was their guy and they trusted him and meanwhile Kent Butterworth he wasn't their guy and I think you can see in the Sub Enchanted Evening stuff they took liberties that even Wes Archer didn't take or it's the kind of liberties they didn't like so I think that's why that one comes off as like oh it had worse animation like not really but it took wilder swings than this took that were actually good animation but absolutely wrong for what they wanted the Simpsons to be so but yes I totally agree with you Thad Homer's Odyssey, worst animated episode of The Simpsons ever. The animation never looked worse. 
And we got over. We got through it as a society. Yes. Yeah. And now it's on Disney+. Plus. So, yes, on over to What a Cartoon comments. There were some Sketchfest comments, but they were mostly like, hey, guys, awesome show. Good job. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to read praise for myself. Yeah. It's like retweeting praise for yourself, <laughs> which I do sometimes. Time for nine more minutes of compliments for <laughs> us. So up next, we have uh, Psychopaths, our first What a Cartoon for January. The episode Crime Coefficient. The first episode of Psychopaths. And the great Dave Whittington, our $100 patron, was on that. Thanks again to Dave mm-hmm. for sticking around for so long as a high-level patron, and he will return. Yeah, he's a, he's a fun guest, too. I love talking about the anime with him. So Batman Boy 11 says, My friends who are more into anime than I am hadn't heard of Psychopaths before I'd asked them about it when you guys put out the January What a Cartoon schedule, so I had no idea what to expect going in, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I bought the first deluxe episode off of YouTube, so I watched the first two of the original version and was captivated the whole time. Initially, when the premise was being explained in the episode, I definitely thought of Minority Report and how a thousand other Western stories have explored the idea of pre-crime to the point that I'm sick of it. (laughs) However, even in such a small amount of content as the 40-some minutes I watched, this genuinely did a good job of bringing new directions to it and hammering home broader social implications beyond the morality and accuracy and uh, debates of other stories. Uh, Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, it uh, it was fun to come at this kind of uh, concept that I thought was tired too, but at a new angle, like especially as it is like, no, it's about we live in a society, not um, how do we judge people kind of thing, especially the uh, the bit. I like how it's a, it's not just about one person wrongly accused. It's how a victim of a crime can be blamed, mm-hmm. like or even people around a crime. Like I I like that it's it it spreads the awareness there and as as you put it bob i liked how you you said you are damned by your credit rating basically it's not too far (laughs) from our own reality it's a very interesting social commentary Mm -hmm. so i definitely recommend psychopaths check out that episode if you're unsure if you'd like it i think it'll get you into a fun uh, darker show and uh, then the next uh, episode was Batman the Animated Series Almost Got Him. Our first of our revisiting ones we're going to be doing once a month. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds is technically our revisiting next month. So, uh, uh, But this one for Batman the Animated Series, man, what a fun episode that was. And uh, Joel Hodson also had thoughts about the production company behind that episode Almost Got Him. Dong Yang very much feels like the show's second choice when it came time to assign episodes to animation studios. But it's pretty rewarding to watch the shows handled by this studio improve throughout the life of the series. Dong Yang ended up getting most of the episodes for the production season two, as well as the new Batman Adventures. The worst studio may have been ACOM, who got fired after one disastrous episode in Joker's Wild. Their production was more on par with standard kid shows with animation goofs and miscolored parts. Bob and Henry will go. We'll get to talk about them in greater detail with next week's episode, as they did Bucky O'Hare as well as most of X Men mm-hmm. and also the first season of Simpsons. They were the only production company for the first season of Simpsons overseas. We certainly did talk about Acom in that episode. Yeah, I mean, again, like the, I think talking up Dong Yang is good because you know sometimes uh especially korean overseas animation studios can get a bad rap of just like oh they sent it to korea like i really hate the to get in that direction about it like and i i agree i think acom was just like yeah this is the level americans expect from us for the money they're giving us what what's the problem like yeah so drew Mackey, i believe from gayest episode ever correct previous guest yes. on homer's phobia cool everyone should listen to that gayest episode ever podcast it's really great it's very good uh so drew Mackey says this was great and i am not a correct apotamus so much as someone who cares too much about arlene sorkin but the fraser thing is that kelsey Grammer was never talking to the slubs who called in every call he got actually had him talking to arlene and then they dub over her voice with the celeb saying the same lines which means she is kind of a bigger part of the whole series just not on camera she actually gets to appear in person in the series finale which is also sweet so that thanks great. yeah i didn't know that and i, I have it. to recommend a recent episode of gayest episode ever it's about a season 14 or 15 episode called three D- uh, three gays of the condo yes which yeah. they covered and they said uh drew said he's inspired by us in our research so oh, yes i we approve you, of this podcast 
Very good. I love it. Uh, check it out. I got to listen to that episode. <laughs> they did a really good one on uh, Seinfeld recently, too. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah I got I mean, as I recall, Three Gays of the Condo, it almost felt like an excuse just to have Hank Azaria plays Birdcage character in all but name. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Who became a recurring character. And mm-hmm. then uh, Scott Thompson is on because Harvey Firestein didn't want to play a character that was so Aww. broad. Yeah. Yeah, he, Carl was a tra- was a trailblazer in his time. But... My mother said, "Never kiss a fool." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to listen to that one then yeah. for sure, and I and look forward to us doing that one in uh, four years, three three or four years to get to season fifteen. I think now mm. on our new schedule, I think it'll take that long. Yeah, I think so. But uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm. It's going to be quite a ride. So. Up next, we have the Animatrix, Henry. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, the Animatrix, our movie. What a fun time. Our longest podcast uh, to date. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, one concern by a listener that because Patreon has a uh, file size limit, we have to cut the bitrate down of our longer podcasts, which makes them sound a little worse than our normal ones. In the future, if a podcast runs this long for our $10 people, we may just post it in two parts just to mm. give you a better sounding podcast because... Uh, the limit is 200 megabytes. We can post a million megabytes in a day, but it has to be in 200 megabyte chunks <laughs> for some yeah, reason. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, if uh, if you guys would prefer that, let, let me know in the comments. I'd like to hear that too. But yes, on the Animatrix, Adam East said, I was in peak Matrix fanboy mode at this time, and I did love the second Renaissance episodes as well as Beyond Program and World War and world record lord of the rings kind of stole my love after the disappointment of revolutions with return of the king coming out the following month as a note in your world record sections he would have been running the hundred meter sprint i believe that's the standard in athletics olympics with the world record being 9.58 by usain bolt though i didn't know they still do the occasional 100 yard dash which was something that i learned based on the 10 second split times of that in the 10.958 world record, Bolt would have run under nine seconds in the 100-yard dash. So, mm. okay, I, I was coming at it from a, from a very American non-knower of sports section where I was Me like, too. well, obviously this run is the 100-yard dash because <laughs> everyone runs in yards, not meters. Meters, and yeah. a perfect name for a runner is Bolt. Yeah, I say he's so, this, so then if he broke, if Usain Bolt's record is 958 and that guy hit 875, like he really must be a matrix breaker for that kind of speed. But. Also, the name of my favorite Disney movie, Bolt, <laughs> the classic animated uh, uh, movie we all love and talk about. Uh, yeah, but uh, but it's cool to hear from another Matrix fanboy, too. What a funny time to think about. Again, the MCU never ends. So to think about how, like, yeah, 01, really 99 to 03 was Matrix four. and Re- Re- Lord of the Rings. And that was just four years and then it was just over. Bam. Yeah. Slamming the door shut. I kind of <laughs> prefer that. Mm, oh, come on, Bob. There'll never be an end to Spider-Man movies. Isn't that great? That's why Back to the Future still is my preferred movie trilogy and universe. It just is so <laughs> tight. It's a tight little ball of movies and you can't really unpack it. Can you believe we're getting close to five years after the farthest they went into the future in that it's, show? Uh, it's terrible. Yep. I hate it. And we don't have, uh, I don't want flying cars, but I do want uh, not hoverboards. I want uh, the 80s cafe. That's what I want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't anybody build that in 2015? Well, now we're up to the 90s cafe. Bring me that. Yeah. Give me that. Uh, So we have Batman Boy 11 for our final comment for Talk to the Audience this month. And he says, The second Renaissance two-parter in a particular way was a very interesting exploration of the backstory of this universe. And upon some reflection, helped me make some more sense of the end of Matrix Revolutions, frankly. I always wondered why the machines would just honor their deal to back off from humanity once Neo gets rid of Agent Smith. But given their history, that all they wanted was to be treated like people, it makes sense that when someone so important to humanity would be willing to do so that they would listen. And frankly, the turn of events leading to the machines and saving humanity is all too plausible if their inbuilt bias doesn't just have them become bigoted from the get-go, given how some AI has acted so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, that makes sense that by building up the AI as wanting to befriend humans and being more of like a spurred spurred by by humanity, it, it makes more sense they'd be accepting of them and even wanting to like, instead of entirely eradicating them and finding a new power source so like 
nah, we we'll keep you around. We but you are our slaves now. But hey, we don't hate you guys. <laughs> not just, really. Uh, very very gooey batteries for us. Yeah, I uh, you know it's really about how both sides are wrong sometimes, <laughs> Bob. That's that's a true message. It really me. is. <laughs> it, that that uh, always works out, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. But but seriously though, I. Yeah, this uh, it's been it was fun going back into the Matrix for this again, but I uh, I think the Matrix is the really only truly unvarnished film of theirs. Like the rest mm-hmm. are the 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 rest are have their problems. Yeah, and yeah. if you're listening to this, you want to hear our full Animatrix discussion. It's our longest podcast to date, four hours and thirty plus minutes. Twenty five. Twenty five. So almost four thirty. It just squeaked over the Cowboy Bebop movie threshold <laughs> to become our longest movie. Uh, what a cartoon movie to date. So yeah, that's available on the ten dollar level, along with all the previous What a Cartoon movies. Probably like fifty hours worth of podcasts yeah. you haven't heard at this point. Maybe I should have pushed it to four and a half if I had. Instead of putting one minute of a Rage Against the Machine song at the end, I should have put the six-minute version of it and God. just put it to four and a half hours. We're, we're really pushing Patreon and uh, uh, how much they will allow us to post in a given yeah. month. Come like a bomb, ignite, ignite. Oh, love it. Is that really on the soundtrack? Uh, that's actually the credit song on Matrix Reloaded. Okay. It's uh, the uh, Wake Up is the, I think I heard a shot. Well, they are Raging Against Machines very much so in the exactly, movie. So yeah. it's, it's all too clever. But yeah. Yes, thanks for listening. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard, and I hope you guys are getting used to our new schedule. No complaints yet, and it's really helping us make better podcasts and to breathe a little and relax a little bit and, you know, enjoy time with our loved ones. And <laughs> by that, of course, I mean video games. Yes, I uh, I played all of Yakuza 6 this month. Oh, uh, wow, that's awesome. That's, I, I played all of Yakuza Kiwami. Oh, man, what a good time. See, isn't it nice to hear that we're having fun listening? Yeah, yes. And I, and I played all of Dragon Quest Builders, too. I, I, had, a, I, had, a game, I had a real gamer month i did here but uh, yes thanks everybody for your support hope you guys look forward to next month's community podcast as well yeah thanks for listening we'll see you next month for another episode of talk to the audience thanks so much and we'll see you then Infotainment. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.